Our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Where else would you rather be on a Bison game day at 8 in the morning? Listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan. That song, Thunderstruck, man, that gets the hair on my neck standing every single time and we're going to bring it this morning, friends. You bet we're going to bring it. We're going to make history here this morning as you're getting ready for tailgating. North Dakota State 8-0, 5-0 in the Missouri Valley Football Conference juggernaut. Hands down the best team undisputed heavyweight champions of the FCS. Jeff Sagarin has them rated as the 22 best team overall in all of college football, FBS included. And I thought that's that's such a big deal. That's such a big story. I got to call him up on bisonillustrated.com right now talking about just how good, just how dominant this Bison football team has been in 2018. I was down in Vermilion. South Dakota last weekend, the Bison playing the Coyotes, 59-14, to 14. utter, pure domination by the Bison. Folks, that game was over after the first seven minutes. That game was over halfway through the first quarter. Now, South Dakota State's not a terrible football team. Illinois State is not a bad football team. Northern Iowa is not a bad football team. Western Illinois, since the Bison took them apart in Macomb last month, well, they've got on a little bit of heater, and now they're threatening for the playoffs. But the Bison, check this out. Get ready for this. Hold on to your seats. Pull over. If you're driving, you better pull over. Because what I'm about to tell you might shock you. You ready? The Bison are beating opponents this year by an average of 27.5 points per game. The Bison are beating teams, good football teams. Good football teams. Look at what they did to Delaware. North Dakota State absolutely destroyed Delaware. In September, right? You remember that game, don't you? The Blue Hens came to Fargo, and North Dakota State beat them 38-10. That game, just like the South Dakota game, was over three possessions in. Opening drive, Bison score. Jabril Cox has a pick six then. Darius Shepard has a big punt return to set up another score. Before you could get to your seats in the Dome, the Bison just took apart the fighting Joe Bidens from Delaware. Uncle Joe, Joey B, he was up in Fargo. He's an alum of Delaware, a fervent follower. They're 6-2 and two right now, 4-1 and one overall, and the number 13th ranked team in the country. The Bison destroyed them 38-10, to 10, and we were saying, oh, boy, all of the FCS, Craig Haley, 
Brian McLaughlin, the FCS crew in Fargo. Everyone was saying, oh, man, that, that Delaware there, they must not be that good. Well, no, I think the question is, the Bison are just that dominant this year. Going back to 2013, you all remember that team. Some quarterback named Jensen, a backup quarterback named Carson Wentz. Yeah, how stacked was that 2013 team? Their backup quarterback was Carson Wentz. It's like those old 49ers days with Joe Montana and Steve Young at quarterback. That team that went 15-0, beat Kansas State in Manhattan with the drive, the legendary, the epic, the iconic drive. That team that steamrolled playoff opponents by an average of like 40 points. Their closest game in the playoffs was the national championship where they beat Towson by 28 points. You remember that team. Bunch of ornery, salty, dominant football players whose head coach decided he was leaving. You remember that. Craig Bowl decided he was going to the mountains of Wyoming after the first playoff game. That story broke. No big deal. That team goes on to roll New Hampshire in the semifinals. Coastal Carolina in the quarters, if memory serves correct. And just demolishes Towson in the national championship. That team, who many consider to be the best team in the history of the FCS, they beat their opponents by an average of 27.4 points per game. So do the math. Do the math, man. Get out the calculator. This year's Bison are beating teams by 27.5. The 2013 team beat teams by an average of 27.4. The 2018 team is beating, and I know it's 0.1 points. So it's, it's not a big number when you compare it to 2013. But when you're beating teams by four touchdowns per game like this 28 team is doing, like the 2013 team did, you're starting to get a little inkling of just how good, historically good, this Bison team is. And now we, we got to bring in, see, I, that's a lot of heavy lifting, boy. That's that's a lot of stuff to process, man. I'm throwing it out there. I think this 2018 team is every bit as good as the 2013 team. Now, I know this team has got a lot of work to do. They got three regular season games. Starts today against the fighting Bo Pelinis of Youngstown State. Then they got to go to Missouri State. Then they got Southern Illinois, and then they got a playoff march. But man alive, brother. My literal brother. Twin brother, Justin Swanson, sitting across from me in studio, fundraising extraordinaire for North Dakota State College of Agriculture, longtime Bison, Homer, Rube, fan, worked for athletics. We ball boyed in the day, man. We ball boyed in the day. And I remember the seeds, and that's what I brought you on the program to talk about. The seeds of greatness. And it's Harvest Bowl, right? Happy Harvest Bowl weekend for North Dakota State. That's a big deal for the College of Agriculture. Big banquet last night recognizing some of the best agriculturalists in this great state of North Dakota. The most important industry in North Dakota are literal bread and butter. In 2013, when Craig Bowl announced he was leaving, you remember where we were at, where we found out that news? Yeah, we're at the Bison Turf. Oh, rewind, man. Rewind, we were down, so you were working for North Dakota State in athletics, right? You were running the boards and, and producing the games at the Dome, so Justin was responsible. Everything you saw 
from 2012 through last year during the games at the Fargo Dome, the replays, the ads, the music, the raise a little heck, right? The stand up and shout. We, we can't say hell on the program. Well, I'm not supposed to. Well, you just did. <laughs> I guess we just broke some rules. See, we're breaking all kinds hey, listen, of rules. When I walked in here, there's a sign on the wall. Justin and it says, Swanson plays by his own set of rules. I walk in, there's a sign on the wall. It says here at the studio in the lobby, in a world of a thousand voices, people will gravitate to the ones they trust. Walter Isaacson. Well, gosh darn it, Josh Swanson. Your listeners are here because they trust you. All right, so I don't want no sugar-coated, oh, I don't know what I can say. I'm afraid, Justin. Oh, Mom might be listening. Now, Come on. Now they trust the, you. You turned the tables on this debate. Now you're making me nervous because you're, you're usually the more, when it comes to this kind of stuff, when I was hosting uh, Afternoons Live on our sister station, KFGO, last month for Tyler Axis, I had you on, and you were totally Bill Belichick, vanilla way for radio, man. Like, I'd ask you a question. We're on to Cleveland. You were like, well, you know. The other team is pretty good, and I think they're going to give the buys in a, a football game. I'm like, come on, you're you're killing me, you're killing me. But here's here's where we were at. You had your car parked in the uh, the parking area, coming down the ramp on the north side of the Fargo Dome, and I was waiting for you. I can't remember what I was doing. We were going to go to the turf. You had just finished the game, and you got a text from a buddy of yours who worked for Learfield Sports at Wyoming, and he texted you saying. Dude, what's going on in Fargo right now? I hear Craig Bowles is going to be our next football coach. This is before Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports broke the story. And you showed me that text, and I think you called your buddy up uh, right away saying, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, we're, we're hearing that Coach Bowl and his guys are coming to Laramie to be our next football coach. And then we went to the turf where the, the tweets were out there, the texts, and people were like, oh, what, what, what's going on here? Is he really leaving? Is, Co- is Coach Bowl really leaving? You you remember that? I do. Yeah, and the, just the kind of the shock and the what are is this going to? I remember the thinking was, will this derail this 2013 playoff run? This epic team who would beat Kansas State, who got game day here, one of the best senior classes in school history. Brock Jensen, all time winningest FCS quarterback. You got you know Marcus Williams, Billy Turner. Go, I mean, up and down the list. Uh, Grant Olson. Grant Olson. Uh, Ryan uh, Smith. DJ McNorton. Trevor Gilbert. Holloway. Yeah, right? And so the talk was, can can this team, is their head going to be in the right place? Are they going to be focused? And all they did, they said, well, forget you guys that are, are leaving us and going to Wyoming. We're going to take this on our shoulders, and we're going to dominate everybody. Now, the reason I bring that up, let's tie it together. I've, this- I've been waiting for the point. Now, yeah, my, my wife says that all the time. She calls is, it, is it 9 o'clock yet? Holy she, smokes. She calls it a Josh story. Libby will roll her eyes, and she's like, can I please get – I asked you a yes or no question, and I say, we got to understand the context. I get paid to talk. I'm, I'm an attorney slash Saturday morning talk show host extraordinaire firebrand. I get paid by the word, man. I get paid by the word. So uh, this team, this 2018 team, this seniors – what was going on with them back in December 2013? Do the math, man. What's the timeline? They were in high school, right? And they were being recruited by the Bison. They were in their senior year of high school, and they just found out the coaching staff that recruited them, the head coach, Craig Bull, was leaving to Wyoming, including a guy named Easton Stick. And you have Chris Kleiman, Nick Gazer, and Connor Riley, the guys that decided to stay at North Dakota State. They had to keep that class together. That was a huge job, man. The seeds for this 
2018 team, the greatness, how this is all coming together. It's it's the story that's unfolding before our eyes. I, I don't know the the word, the the destiny, the fate. I mean, it's it it's unfolding like a Disney movie script where right away there's the adversity. Coaching staff leaves. What's going to happen? Oh no. Chris Kleiman gets a job. And from day one, I know you and me and a lot of other Bison guys said, man, Gene Taylor nailed that hire. Chris Kleiman has, has been a fantastic – he's one of the best coaches in all of college football. His first big job, day one on the job, first minute on the job, is keeping together a recruiting class that included guys like Easton Stick and Lance Dunn and Dan Marlette. So Coach Kleiman – Nick Gazer and Connor Riley to keep that class together, the seeds that were planted, and now the proverbial harvest that they're reaping, to me, is such a big story. So you talked about it. You mentioned it. It played out like a Disney movie. So here's what I want to know, all the fans out there on Twitterverse. Let's make this thing into a Disney movie. My question is, who plays Coach Kleiman? Here's what I'm thinking. The mighty Minnesota miracle man himself, Gordon, Gordon Bombay, Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Emilio is Chris Kleiman, right? And I saw his hat, and he tipped it like this. And now we got to find out who's going to play Connor Riley and Nick Gazer. So if you're out there on Twitterverse, give at Swanee a shout. We need these names. We're going to put this thing together. We're going to fund it. It's a done deal. Yeah, uh, we'll get a Kickstarter going, right? There you go. Go well, fund me. So I'll, I'll produce it if you want to direct it. Um, here's the problem, though. How are we going to keep this thing PG like a Disney movie or PG-13? We're going to have to work on the uh, vernacular, the language used with, with Connor Riley. That's a I had no idea we were going this direction. But that's a good question. Who would play him in a movie? Because that guy is intense. and I, I, I He's a fantastic football coach. Al Pacino. Eh, a little old, though, isn't he? Is Pacino a little well, They can old? do things with CGI, a little makeup, right? Eh, I don't know, man. You, you need a guy with Pacino's fieriness. The, the any given Sunday, right? A little bit. But, but to, to me, to me that is such a huge story that the 2013 class that came in as the 2014 signees, that those three guys held together, the fact that they're now challenging the 2013 team for the title, potentially, and they got a lot of work to do, but they're on that road of challenging the 2013 team for the title of greatest team in Bison football history, man. I love it. I love it. So, and here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Maybe well, before I- before you disagree, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back, listeners, and Justin Swanson is going to tell me how and why he disagrees with me on Heard Here with Swanson. I like it. A little bit of smashing pumpkins, Josh Linus. Driving the car, running the boards today. It's a 90s Swanee throwback song, huh? A little bit. Uh, I think the title of the song is Zero, and I think that's how much collective talent is in this room right now, so maybe it's an appropriate salute. <laughs> Don't impugn Nolan P. Schmidt and Josh <laughs> Linus with your, you and me, yeah. Oh, yeah, for Zero sure, talent. you and me, yeah. A proud moment in Ma and Pa Swanee's lives is their two twin boys yuck it up on the radio. How great was it during that last commercial break to, to hear Al or Al Dan Michaels? Dan, Justin, you and I both know Dan. We've known him for a long time. You worked with him very closely. I, actually, before I went to law school, I worked in radio and would spend an hour every day putting together different sweepers and bumpers and other radio stuff with Dan. You worked with him in your role at the Fargo Dome. 
and Dan is the play-by-play guy, and it's so great to, to see Dan recovering, bouncing back from his surgery, and he'll be calling the game doing PA today. I'm glad you mentioned that and brought it up. And, and Jeff Kolpak wrote a fantastic article in the Fargo Forum yesterday. If you hadn't had a chance to read it, look it up. And there's so much more to Dan than meets the eye. And Big heart. Uh, you're talking Big about heart. a guy with an enormous heart and just a consummate professional would literally give you the shirt off his back. Dan just cares about people. He is such an asset for the Fargo community. And uh, exchanged a couple of texts with him uh, last night and whatnot. And at the basketball game on Thursday night, just saying, how great it was to hear him behind the mic and see him at the game. So so thankful Dan is back and in that role. To me, Dan Michaels is game day. I drink Aquafina water when I go to the gas station because Dan Michaels tells me to when I'm at the Fargo Dome. I mean, that guy has an impact. Such an asset for the community. Wonderful to see him back. I want to thank Peterman Seed, Seabird Power Sports, Essential Health, Yankee Insurance, and Altendorf Trucking for making this show possible. And, and yeah, Dano, Dano, to me, when you talk Bison football, Dano is such a big part of that, so it's great to see him back in the Fargo Dome today. I want to get back to the discussion about the, the 2018 football team. Justin, you were down in Vermilion last weekend. We watched that game. This Bison football team, we've seen it growing up. We ball boyed. You and I ball boyed for the football team for Coach Hager in the 1990s. We went to football camps. We went to our first Bison game in 1990 at Dakota Field. The Bison beat Cal Poly in the Division II quarterfinals there in November 1990. That was our first football game. We've been to hundreds of games in the the interceding years. We had season tickets from when the Dome opened until we went to college at NDSU. And to me, just from the eyeball test, when I look back on it, this 2018 team has the pieces in place now and is playing at a level where few other teams in, in North Dakota, and we've had some darn good football teams. I'm not taking anything away from the previous teams, and I and I don't want you folks out there to think that, but this 2018 team, the the thesis of the column that I have up right now at BisonIllustrated.com, telling you to enjoy this year because this team is so special. In your eyes, Justin, what are your thoughts of this Bison football team? Yeah, you know, first of all, uh, I'm glad we're in a, a padded room right now because this this talk, this argument about greatest of all time, you know, I think coming from athletics in my world, that drives me nuts. I'm I'm a kind of guy. You don't like it. I don't like it. Appreciate the day. Appreciate this team. Let's not compare this team to 13 or 90 or 88 or 86. You could go on and on and on. Those are some pretty good teams. Those are some really good teams, right? But to me, it's just, let's look at the the evidence this year, the, the record for this year. Let's compare them against James Madison and UC Davis and Kenista and South Dakota State and on and on and on. And with the Sagarin, if you want to throw us up against some of those teams in the FBS too, I'm all about it. But for me, I'm not a big fan of looking back and saying, is this the best team ever? They're winning by this margin, and they're doing this. And I don't think that tells a complete picture. You look at some of those teams that have won these national championships in this runs, the injuries they had to overcome, the adversity. You know, you, you talk about so many other factors beyond what's just on the field. I don't think it's fair to a lot of those teams. You know, To me, the 2012 team should be talked about in the same breath as all these teams, right? They won a national championship. You can't get better than winning a national championship. So for me to have this conversation, and I know people have vastly different opinions than I do, but to me it dilutes it a little bit. Here's where I'm at. Our fans are talking about this. Our fans are asking this, starting to ask the questions, starting to make this comparison. You and I are on a, a big group text thing with a bunch of other guys and we've talked about it. And you mentioned some of those teams. One of my favorite teams, the 2014 team. That team with senior class, I think like Dudzik was a senior. Kyle Emanuel, John Emanuel, Crockett. 
Colton Hegel, Ashley Thornton. When when those guys, the talk after that year was, oh, the Bison are going to be down. They lost twenty three or twenty four seniors. One of the best teams in program history. All oh, it's gonna it's gonna be like a rebuild. And I and I, I wrote columns. You can check out BisonIllustrated.com. I said this twenty fourteen team is just as every bit as good as their predecessors that won titles, and they're going to be PO'd because people are discounting them. And that was a really good senior class and a really good team. And for me, the 2014 team is so special because those guys said, forget all the noise. We're every bit as good, and we're going to prove it to you. The 20, there, There's a great story. You're right. There's a great story with all these teams. It does not get any better than being in Frisco, Texas, and playing, we are the champions, my friends. From Six Flags tailgating. I love doing that every January after we win a national championship or seemingly every January. The 2015 team where Carson Wentz goes down, a freshman by the name of Easton Stick, juggernaut, number 12, comes in, goes 8-0, takes the team all the way to the championship game. Carson comes in, has a dynamite game, goes on to be the second pick in the NFL draft for that team to overcome that injury and that adversity. And then last year, the 2017 team, redemption revenge getting the crown back after james madison came into the forward home in 2016 and the 2016 team that lost to the semis that was a team that oh by the way went down to kennick stadium and beat iowa who was ranked number 10 or 11 in the country at the time and that team just got riddled by injuries so you're right we've had some darn good football teams it's special doing a conference championship right but our fans are talking about it it's a it's a topic that's going to come up because yeah all those teams that won championships are good. You're absolutely right. But now you're looking at a rarefied air where you're beating teams by an average of four touchdowns per game. You you saw that game in Vermilion. You've seen all the games. We, You got married about a month ago. Congratulations, by the way. And we've talked about that on this program. During uh, your wedding day, we were watching the Northern Iowa game in uh, the Purim golf course and the, the, the pub there. 28 points. At the Uni Dome in the fourth quarter, no one does that. So for me, it warrants discussion. A little bit, yeah, and I'll give you that. It, it's uh, it's sports radio talk, right? It's tailgate talk. It's what the fans want to talk about. But for me, even when you look at it in a greater context, coming up here as the valley continues to expand, you look at it from the 2011, 2018. Now, even within the valley, maybe it's hard to get some baseline points because the teams who play every year, even within the Valley, are going to change. The teams who play in a non-conference are going to change. You know, this team didn't have to face an FBS team. Would have been amazing if they did, and I think they win the game. But you look at So I think so many dynamics change, too, that maybe you don't have that control, right, to compare the team year after year on a fair basis. But I get it. I know why fans talk about it. And it's fun to be in a position where you've won 14 national championships. You know, you said it. Most teams, a conference championship is special. Most teams would love to have one national championship. You know, th- this team has 14. You could literally spend every weekend the next 20 years doing an alumni weekend, bringing all these guys back, and still not have enough weekends because there's that many titles. And that's a special deal. So I do get it. A lot of our fans and teams that didn't win national championships, we had two national runners-up in, I think, what, 81 and 84? 84. 84. And there was a, not was it the 1970 team that was just dominant, a really, really good football team, and... They ended up, a bunch of them got, what, food poisoning before a semifinal game and lost a tight one to Montana State, maybe? That yeah, sounds about right. Sounds, yeah, and that, that team that had, is it Jerry Rosberg, the, the special teams coach and assistant coach for the Baltimore Ravens, they were up in Fargo last year, to be honored, if memory serves correct. So there's been so many good teams. But the for this team, and, and I guess where we're in agreement at, 
because we only have a few more minutes left. A swan it, brother, radio, brother. Swan to swan, flying high, brother to brother, here on 740 AM, The Fan. Where I'm at with it is fans need to enjoy this team and appreciate what they're doing because it's not every year. Well, in Fargo, every year we seem to win national championships, but every year and every team is so unique, and what this team is doing right now is special. No, it really is, and, you know, I had lunch yesterday with – a lot of buys and greats, you know, guys like Chad Stark, Steve Walker, Todd DeBates, Nate Safe, Ken Clark get together for lunch. And, you know, one of the guys asked me, he had heard one of your previous shows, your, you had your, maybe it's a show or illustrated article, a podcast, maybe. your Mount Rushmore buys in football. And he was questioning some of your choices. And he asked me, who would you have on your Mount Rushmore buys in football? I said, dude, you can't even ask me that because I'm not going to answer because it's not fair. It's not it. even right. You, you can't, can't do it. it. So I'm not even going to start. I'm not even going to go there in theory and say who are the four greatest players, coaches, individuals in the history of this program because to narrow that list, even 25 is near impossible. So anytime we talk about the greatest or this, the greatest or that, and I take the approach maybe like the team does the the week by week, the eight one-week season, as yep. Coach Kleiman says it, and that's why I segue a little bit, but it frustrates me. On one hand, I get a chuckle out of the other hand because I know how well our team is set up for success when you hear the other schools talk about Frisco, it's all about Frisco. This we've been talking about this for years, and this is finally the year it ends here, and this is our goal. And or other folks, we got to set ourselves up for the playoff picture, the playoff outlook. Da 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 da. You will never hear Coach Climber or this team talk about playoffs, Frisco, seeding, this and that. It's eight one-week seasons. It's winning each week. Coach Kleiman didn't even want to go there at his weekly press conference earlier this week when asked about you talk as a team about if you win on Saturday, you'll have a share of the Missouri Valley Football Conference Championship. His answer was, nope. There, there was nope. One, one goal this week. You know, starting, you, you beat USD at 24 hours. Beat Youngstown. Beat Youngstown, that's yeah. it. Not looking forward to Missouri State, Southern Illinois. What happens after that? Beat Youngstown, that's it. And that, that individual so focused is a huge component of the success of this team is they take it one step at a time. And for me, you can't be salesman of the year before your salesman of the month. And you can't be salesman of the month before your salesman of the week. So why even waste time talking about it? That's, that, that is a great analogy, Justin. I know you've got an incredibly busy day with the Harvest Bowl with throughout the College of Agriculture. It's, it's a great day for North Dakota State with another Harvest Bowl. Thanks for coming on the show this morning. We'll have to, we'll have to do it again, buddy. Hey, you know, growing up, driving to school in old Maddock, North Dakota, uh, Pa Swan would always have Bob and Tom on the radio driving to the Maddock Public School. So I think we've supplanted that today, greatness. Bob and Tom. Radio greatness. With Swan and Swan. How good are we? Oh, my gosh. We, we might be the best twin brothers doing radio right now in Fargo-Moorhead. Maybe even this studio. Well, I have goosebumps. I, I'm so excited. The hair on my neck is standing. And the hair on your back, I bet. I need to take a breath. Lots of back hair. Yeah, that was excellent radio. Coming up, we're going to have the FCS Face the Nation Roundtable with Nolan P. Schmidt. And Chase Miller on Heard It Decades with talented technicians who offer superior service and maintenance. Weldon's Tire Service on Main Street in Lisbon. They're your Goodyear dealer. Weldon's Tire Service in Lisbon, North Dakota. Online at Weldon'sTire.net. Let's go Bison. As old as paper and ink, Nolan Schmidt brings his new school approach to Bison Illustrated as its editor-in-chief and joins Swanee to go over the big headlines for this week's matchup. ESPN, the mothership, just did a segment on NDSU's Harvest jerseys with the Harvest helmet, the Gold Rush jerseys. 
They were just featured on SportsCenter's Gear Up segment. It's really cool if you go to the NDSU football account on Twitter, which is NDSU football. They've got the video up there. So I, I got to, you know, we just had my twin brother, Justin, on the radio. That's a half an hour of your lives you're never going to get back, and I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, he made a comment. The fighting Bo Pelinis are in town. He says, well, uh, man, I wish you would have kept me on for another minute. I wanted to say something about Pelinis, like uh, like the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings, that SNL skit with Matt Damon. Pelini's going to come into the Dome this afternoon and say, what? I'm at a 10. I'm going to get to a 15 real quick. You know, they're they're reeling right now. The Penguins are struggling. They're 3-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in the Missouri Valley football conference. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I ran in yesterday afternoon downtown Fargo. A bunch of us from my law firm went to uh, Worse to, to have lunch, and we may have wandered next door to Drecker. And we ran into a couple of Youngstown State fans, a father and a son, originally from Buffalo. I think they're living in, in uh, West Virginia now. Good guys, really good guys. Told them to stop by Six Flags tailgating. And I asked them. So they came into Drecker. I bought them each a drink and was talking to them about the football team, being the North Dakota State ambassador extraordinaire that I am. The fantastic person that I, you are. I had to introduce them. Yeah. I said, hey, I know you guys heard about me, but I am Swanee. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> I know you've listened to the Bison Illustrated to the podcast. podcast at com. <laughs> and I said, so what gives, guys? Like you, you got a lot of talent on that roster. McAllister's a really good running back. Mays has been there forever. Van Gorder is going to be the starter today is what they were telling me, and we talked about that on the podcast. So what's going on in Youngstown, Ohio? And what they told me, and I'd never heard this before. I haven't seen this written anywhere. I hadn't heard about it. Me, Chase and I were texting about it yesterday. What they told me is that team has not been the same since they had to deal with the, the controversy over one of their players who was convicted of a very, very serious crime. He got onto the football team. There was a, a an uproar on campus from the students and from the, the student I thought he newspaper. played a few snaps, too. He played a few snaps, yeah. and then he was booted off the team, mm-hmm. and he actually brought a lawsuit against the university asking to to play on the team, saying he had a right to play because they had already told him that he could play, that he had he had done his, uh, his penance for the crime that he was convicted of. And they told me the team, Youngstown, has not – been the same since that doesn't surprise me i mean that's a national story guys that that was a, was that, a was, that was a, that was a national that was national news in the sports world and i remember it and and you know that sort of thing sucks the life out of any team regardless of if bo pelini is the coach regardless of you know how much he tries to tune up his team on game day which you know was kind of his his uh, post game i don't want to call it a rant but his post game kind of inklings after last week's lost indiana state but you know, it sucks the air out of any team because that sort of thing is it happens every so often in college football or in college athletics in general. DJ Durkin you know, in Maryland right now. You know, the the first thing that I think of when I remember that Youngstown State thing is I remember the Duke lacrosse scandal. You know, that was a really big ding- thing and it sucked the life out of the Duke lacrosse team. It's the same thing with Youngstown State. I mean, this is a serious offense against one of their players, but then he's allowed to, you know, take that next step onto the football field and take snaps. I mean, obviously it's going to be a huge, 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 like, you know, it, it was interesting. air suck for your team. It was interesting to me, guys, to hear from two of their fans that this incident happened several years ago. This controversy, I think it was two years ago in 2015 or 2016. We thought it was last year. You can, uh, maybe a you, it was with the, any, in any event. It was in the last few years. You can Google it, look it up. Point being that that sort of event 
still lingers on that football team. And Chase, the, the Youngstown State football team that made a run all the way to the national championship game in 2016, put together four playoff wins, lost to JMU in the national championship. The fact that they really haven't been able to find their footing in the last two years is surprising. It's surprising a little bit, and then I think you go back to the season opener that they had, right? Everybody kind of said, whoa, what just happened with them and Butler? You know, not taking anything away from the Pioneer Football League, not taking anything away from Butler, but people came in going, Youngstown State should be a top 25 team. They should be a contender in the Valley. They should be in the top four teams of the Valley. And all of a sudden you lose to Butler, and there was a big head scratcher, and then you saw they got a game at West Virginia. Well, that's probably a loss. So all of a sudden Youngstown was 0-2, their only non-conference win, well, another Pioneer Football League team in Valpo. And then what we saw last week against Indiana State, the Sycamores put up 43 points in that game. The Penguins only score 17. It just has been tough for the Penguins to get any traction consistently on a back-to-back week basis this year. And now all of a sudden you go in and you go, hey, the, the most wins you can finish if you're a Youngstown State fan is with six. Does six and five get you in with the win over a South uh, North Dakota State team? I mean – I don't think so this year. It's going to be awfully tough, even though I do believe there's going to be a lot of seven and four teams jockeying for a position come selection Sunday. But six and five, I don't think gets you in. So even to start the year, there's a lot of chaos from Youngstown State. And even if they win that game against Butler, you feel a little bit better. At least you're four and four, but you don't have a quality non-conference win. There's not a lot of quality wins on their resume, which. I'm very curious what the first 10 minutes of this football game is going to be. It's either going to be Youngstown State's going to come in guns a-blazing because they have they know they have nothing to lose, throw the kitchen sink out there, let's see if they can uh, force a turnover, maybe get McAllister running, which Chris Kleiman called him the dude, or it's going to be if NDSU gets up early, uh, are they just going to say, you know what, uh, yeah, we, we've seen the last couple of weeks that maybe we just don't really want to be here in, in a mental way or a physical way, and maybe they'll roll over. I think it's either going to be the Part A version, and this game's going to the fourth quarter and going to be a nail-biter, or it could be the Part B version, and it, it could be ugly early, depending on what team we see in the first five, ten minutes. Youngstown State playing Indiana State last week, and at home, they were down 23-17 to going into the fourth quarter of a must-win game. They got housed 20-0 to in the fourth quarter to lose that football game. 43-17, to 17, that for all intents and purposes eliminated them from playoff contention. And at the postgame press conference, Bo Pelini, yeah, very passionate, very fiery, a good football coach, he said he was disgusted with his team, had never seen that lack of effort, guys that just didn't care, didn't seem like they wanted to be there, weren't playing hard. And he, he even made reference earlier this week that they might play a lot of new guys. When you're, and we talked about it on the podcast, Nolan, and we'll pick it up after the break. If you're a head football coach coming into the Fargo Dome and your message to your team is about effort, having to care, having to play with more effort, when you're playing the number one team in the country who has been absolutely dominant this year in a venue like the Fargo Dome, you're in a whole heap of trouble if the message to your football team is, you guys got to play with effort. You need to care. That's a tough spot to be in. We'll talk about it more after the break. Want to thank a couple sponsors, Welton's Tire Service, Valley Tire, Chris Heisey, American Family Insurance Agent, Legacy Wealth Management, and TRS Industries. Folks, check out our show page at 740thefan.com. This episode will be podcasted right after this hour, as with uh, all our other episodes. You're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan.
So they ended up here. It's fun to play for Terrier. With a knowledgeable staff to get you back on the road in a hurry. Valley Tire, 6827th Street South, Fargo. Just south of the intersection of Main Avenue and 25th Street. Online at valleytire.net or call 701-551-7002. We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, buddy. Heard it here with Swanee, endorsed by all the papers in the state as the best buys and radio show on in Fargo from 8 to 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Cast your vote for Heard It Here with Swanee. Check out our show page at 740amthefan.com. Chase, you got a really good interview coming up on your show following the top of the hour here. You had Craig Haley from Stats FCS, the dean. The Deansy of the FCS, what uh, give us a little flavor of what uh, you talked to him about. Yeah, what we're going to talk about with Craig coming up here is maybe who's a sleeper team that might steal a bid. You know, there's always that one or two teams. If you're a UND fan, you might talk about the Western Illinois year when Western Illinois was 6-5. and five. They got in over UND, which was 7-4 and four with the win over Wyoming. So very similar thing. Who's going to be a sleeper that possibly could be a bid stealer? Who's one or two of those teams? Obviously, the FCS committee rankings came out on Wednesday. I'm going to have Craig break those down, who he thinks might be a little high, might be a little low. Then I'm going to ask him, can NDSU or James Madison get off the one or two line? You know, if UC Davis goes undefeated with one loss and their only loss to Stanford, is that resume better than JMU? Or are we going the route of what have you done for me in history? And history says JMU has had a better football program the last couple years then UC Davis, and same thing, let's say hypothetically, guys, that if NDSU were to lose one of their last three games, would they fall off the one or two seed? I'll get Craig's thoughts on, on all that and a whole lot more. That'll be at around 9.15 this morning. The FCS Selection Committee revealed their first and only regular season seeds going into the playoffs. So if the playoffs started today, this last Wednesday, here was the FCS Selection Committee, the committee that selects the playoff teams and the seeds and the bracket, Here's our top 10 through October 27th. This is the only bracket or the only seed list that will come out before Selection Sunday, which I believe is on November 18th. North Dakota State, number one. James Madison, 6-2. and two. They're the number two seed. UC Davis, 7-1. and one. That was a little bit of a surprise. Folks thought Davis deserved to be on that two line instead of James Madison, which would mean if they both won out through the playoffs, they'd have to play in Harrisonburg. And not in California. That's a big deal. Seven and one. Davis is number three. Weber State six and two. Just beat North Dakota at the Alaris last week, and they're number four. Elon, who beat James Madison earlier this year, five and two. They're the number five seed. If Chalk held out, and that's the bracket, North Dakota State would have to face either Weber State or Elon in a semifinal. Number six, Kennesaw State. The committee did their homework. Kennesaw State, despite being seven and one, and number two in the stats, FCS media poll, and the coaches poll. They're at number six in the seeding. South Dakota State, the Jack her, 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 Rabbits, number seven. It's five and two overall. Their only losses to North Dakota State and UNI. They got a real intriguing game this afternoon against Missouri State. Number eight, Wofford. We saw them in the quarterfinals last year. Could see them again in the quarterfinals this year. Rounding out the top ten, Easter Washington at number nine. Delaware at number ten. Nolan P. Schmidt, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I have a few things. You know, I, I think the only... 
gripe I have with it is I, I was shocked, quite frankly, that UC Davis wasn't on the two line, like you said, Swanee, because when you look at their schedule, seven and one, and that one loss is an FBS loss to Stanford, a, a really pack, good Stanford a, a Pac team. twelve yeah. team. And I mean, you look at JMU, yeah, they're six and two. One of them is to an FBS team in NC State, but they also lost to Elon, and we obviously see Elon is held in high esteem because of that win over JMU at the five line. But you know, if you look at UC Davis, I think overall, if you look at the eye test and you look at kind of the analytics of this season, and you know, you mentioned it, Chase, do you go off past history? And obviously, JMU has that past history over the last three, four years. But I feel like you need to take it as it is in 2018. So I think it's a little ridiculous that UC Davis isn't at that two line. And my other point would be Kennesaw State at six. I agree with that currently. But at the same time, you know, when it comes down to it, they're going to jump to that five or that four seed if they beat Jacksonville State in that last game in Atlanta, the last game of the season. That's what their season is going to be. They're going to hang their hats on that game. So those are just a few of the points that I have. I think Kennesaw is properly ranked now, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see them jump to maybe even that five spot if they beat Jacksonville State at the end of the season. Here's a question I want to ask you guys, and I'll start with you, Chase. With UC Davis being number three and James Madison being two, James Madison is not in control of their own destiny in the Colonial. Um, they could end up tying or winning the conference championship, but with three weeks to go, they had a tight one against Stony Brook last week, and they won 13-10, to 10, needed two field goals in the fourth quarter. Stony Brook had a shot to tie it at the gun at the end of regulation. They missed a 51-yard field goal. So here's my question. If UC Davis wins out, they've got Eastern Washington left on the schedule, who's number nine right now in the in the without Gage Gubrud. Without Gage Gubrud in the, the committee's top ten. So Davis wins out. They don't have an FCS loss. They're undefeated in the Big Sky Conference and the Big Sky Conference champion. The committee's gotta move them above James Madison if both teams win out. Don't or can you can you do that now? Is the committee back themselves? in a corner where if both teams went out, I think it would be grossly unfair and a manifest injustice if Davis goes undefeated in the Big Sky, wins a Big Sky Conference championship, doesn't have an FCS loss, and they still get put at number three behind JMU. And, and here's the rest of JMU's schedule before I answer your question. Today against New Hampshire, which they should be favored on at the road. Um, then they host Rhode Island, a 5-3 and three team, and then they're going to go to Towson, Who's right now a, a six game and two the team? The so there might be enough on JMU's schedule, and the fact that you're playing in the CAA, the fact of what you again, as we talked about the last couple of years, that they could go nine and two and probably be better in the committee's eyes than what UC Davis is at ten and one, which is a scary thing to say. I mean, th- 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 these are things that NDSU fans can remember. You know, when they were pl- uh, trying to get into the playoff rankings, UND fans are, are have talked about it. You know, two two years ago, they made a top eight seed. They lost to Richmond the second round. But these are things that if you're an up-and-coming team, for example, if Missouri State was to run the table, go seven and four, where would they end up? You know, and it's one of those deals where I hope a six and five team that doesn't have a great resume does not uh, beat a team with seven and four and eight and three. But I think there's a lot left on the table for James Madison to continue to be a two seed. If they take care of business, if you're NDSU and you're James Madison, everything's in front of you. Just win your games that you have to win. You're going to get a buy. The playoff bracket's going to be on your side. The nice thing is though, as you mentioned, UC Davis, if they look really good, in their last three games, and if JMU does slip, you def- I'm curious how far would JMU go down then on the poll if they would pick up a third loss before the end of the year. If, and that's that's a, a heck of a great question, Chase. If JMU picks up a third loss, they, they may 
find themselves falling out of a seed and having to play that first weekend in the playoffs. Now, you look up and down the list of the top 10. Would that happen? Eh, I, I don't know. I think they still have a really good case to be in that top eight and get a bye. And I think because they're JMU, if there's a three-loss team that's going to get a bye, it's them with their pedigree. But then they start falling down to that seven or eight line. And, I and, then, don't, on the and then we side. have a real interesting yeah. discussion. Do you put JMU on the same side of the bracket as North Dakota State? We're running out of daylight, guys, so I want to move on to, to something else. Missouri Valley Football Conference race, NDSU's 5-0, and two games up on the pack, three games to play. They win today. They clinch a share of the conference championship. The rest of the Valley is cannibalizing itself behind NDSU, and we're looking at probably only getting three. Well, the field being what it is, three or four teams, three for sure, Probably four from the Valley, but SDSU's at 3-2 and two in conference. UNI got beat by Western. Western's coming on strong. They're at 3-2 in the conference, both Northern Iowa and Western. Illinois State has now dropped three in a row to NDSU, to South Dakota. Well, not three in a row. They lost to Missouri State earlier in the year, but they've lost two in a row to North Dakota State and South Dakota State. They're at 2-3 and three and at 5-3 uh, and three overall. They don't want a fourth loss because then they put themselves on the bubble. And then there's Indiana State, 2-3, 4-4 four and four overall. Missouri State, 2-3, 4-4 and three, four and four overall. Indiana State is coming on and finding themselves in the playoff discussion. The game that I'll be having an eye on this afternoon, Missouri State at South Dakota State. I think we learned a lot about Missouri State this afternoon. Yeah, and I, they, they struggled the last few weeks. But when you bring up Indiana State, you know, it's funny that we're sitting here at the beginning of November and we're talking about, okay, we are we might see Western Illinois and Indiana State become those Valley teams rather than a Northern Iowa. That's what's interesting to me. Indiana State's a much improved program. That's what impresses me the most about you know the Valley so far, other and, than NDSU. And to go to your point, Indiana State uh, after today against South Dakota, Illinois State and Western. So those are winnable games. So if they win out on top of, they would give Illinois State and Western a loss, so they could play a couple teams out. Coming up down the stretch, Illinois State, UNI is the game that I'm watching out for today just because UNI can't pick up a fifth loss. It's at the Uni Dome, tough place to play. We've heard about that. But if UNI loses that game, they might be on the outside looking in with two games left to play. Need some game time predictions, fellas. What do you got? 34 and a half to spread, right? I'm going to go a Swanee-esque prediction. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to go 49 to oh, seven, that's not Bison. Yes, Forty-nine man. to seven. That's a thirty-five. That's point a win. very forty-two point win. Yeah, that's a that's a forty-two very, point win. That's more so than the spread. Yeah, I'm gonna go under the spread. I'm gonna go thirty-five thirteen. I'm gonna go a missed extra point. Thirty-five thirteen. Ah, we're talking Swanee-esque, man. We need to be up there in the sixties this week or the seventies. We need to be up in some golfing weather, some good fishing weather with North Dakota State playing Youngstown. And Chase, you had said something earlier. Here's how I foresee this afternoon playing out. Youngstown State and the fighting Bo Pelinis are reeling. They're coming into the Fargo Dome to play the red-hot North Dakota State Bison. The Bison are locked in. They are focused. They are on a mission. And they ain't got no time to see any sort of march of the Penguins. The Penguins are going to get warmed up today. It ain't going to be frosty. The Bison are going to put one on. A couple touchdowns early. This thing gets out of control. The Bison are going to roll, friends. You want to talk Swanee-esque? Let's lay it on. 56-3, the good guys. This is Herd here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan reminding you the strength of the herd is the Bison, and the strength of the Bison is the herd. From the
the court to the ice and on the field. Get in the know on University of North Dakota Fighting Hawks Athletics with the UND Coaches Show, Wednesday nights from 6 to 7 on 740 The Fan. Valley Time.